You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Well, greetings once again from Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com. It's Friday, May the 24th, 2019, and it's time for your Weekly Wrap-Up. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us is Eric Sprott. Eric, good day. Craig, good morning. Another uh, very interesting week. Uh, market weakness, a little bit of gold strength towards the, the end of the week here, so it's uh, starting to come together. Certainly is. And uh, before we get started, hey, just a notice to everybody out there, you know, we've got the Ask the Expert series here at Sprott Money, and you can find that uh, in the navigation bar on the SprottMoney.com homepage. Every month we interview an expert around the world, and the last couple of months we've been interviewing uh, the people from various mints, whether it was the Scottsdale Mint, the Royal Canadian Mint. This month we interviewed Andrea Lang with the Austrian Mint. Fabulous, uh, very interesting interview, and you can find it here on the homepage at uh, SprottMoney.com. Uh, if you're an owner or collector of Austrian Philharmonics, I think you'll find what Andrea had to say interesting. Eric, I bet you've got a few Philharmonics laying around. I got a lot of gold, man. I got them from everywhere. So, uh, yeah, I got them. I'm sure I have them every mint in the world, and uh, a lot of it from the Royal Canadian Mint. That's uh, one of the things I, I love doing. Is and, and one of the things I really like is when they bring out a big piece of gold and have a piece of Canadian art on it at the same time. Those mm. are wonderful mm-hmm. pieces. And mm-hmm. uh, as I sit in my office, I'm staring at a few of them. So I, I've always enjoyed them. You betcha. All right, my friend. Like you said, it's been a, uh, a relatively good week for once. Uh, gold's up about a half a percent. Silver's up about one percent. Looks like we're turning the corner on just some horrible U.S. economic news and obviously trade war issues. Uh, what's on your mind this fine Friday? Well, of course, the big macro is the the trade war, uh, which now seems to be getting uh, really spread out here as we put Huawei into the whole thing and that whole fight. And uh, you know, there's the I don't think the Chinese are going to sit sit idly by and do nothing here. It's been mostly uh, a U.S. initiative so far. Uh, but you know the other shoe's going to drop here, and I was as I was contemplating this call, I was actually thinking about the 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 strength or sizes of the two economies. And there's no doubt in my mind the Chinese economy is way bigger than the U.S. economy. I don't care what the numbers say. Okay, the car sales are 50 percent higher. The house sales are probably 500 percent higher. The amount of food they eat is 300 percent higher. Like there's just no way that the Chinese economy cannot be bigger than the U.S. economy. I don't care what data somebody is putting out there because they're the biggest steel consumer. They're the biggest gold producer. They're, they're the biggest everything, okay? So just uh, trash it and uh, the, the thought that the American economy is bigger than the U.S., bigger than the Chinese economy. And think of what happens when the Chinese say, well, no mas, man. And in fact, I was reading an article that where, where it's embarrassing now to have an iPhone in China. Yeah, You know, like it's, the sentiment is getting serious here so it's everyone knows a trade war is not good for anyone and tariffs are not good for anyone so uh, that and this whole tech war that might be starting up you know where maybe there's something that china does will do in terms of like banning american tech products or some darn thing i mean it's it's getting uh, quite queasy out there um from a war, let's call it a war perspective, well, let alone the possibility of war. I mean, I couldn't believe I was reading that 
President Trump was considering some way to send 10,000 troops over to the Middle East. Oh, my God, yeah. I can hardly believe it. What the hell is going on here? I thought we gave up on that stuff. Yeah. Anyway, and then, then, uh, then economically, you know, the new, uh, new home sales crashed down, I think it was 8% or something. Uh, the PMIs were, were atrocious. I mean, they were, they were the weakest they'd been in three years across the board, services, manufacturing, everything. Um, so that was bad. And then, then we start getting layoffs. I mean, Ford's laying off 7,000 white-collar workers, and we get the banks are starting to lay off things. So there's all sorts of economic uh, weakness showing up, and we're just starting the trade war. Yeah. <laughs> we're just starting the trade war. Where are we going to be in three months when finally the – the Chinese decide what they're going to do, and maybe they say, well, we're not buying any agricultural products. I mean, nothing American's coming in here. Oh, my God, that would be very hard for the market to take. And the market, the stock market is showing definite signs of weakness here. And, and of course, you and I talk about the, the yields. I mean, the yields are plunging. The bond market's telling us we got a recession coming. So stand back. I mean, it's not good owning stocks in a recession. Right. Right. And, you know, you factor all this together and it still seems as if the, I guess, the, the general consensus out there is that, oh, maybe by December, the Fed will start thinking about maybe trimming the Fed funds rate. But Eric, Fed funds is already 25 basis points, a quarter of a percent higher than just the two year note. I mean, they need a 50 basis point cut just to make, you know, kind of a positive slope again from overnight to two years. And nobody's talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. The market's pricing in two cuts in the rate already. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, the Fed can say they're patient as long as they want. I would imagine if I was at the Fed today, today, and today's a lot different than yesterday, by the way. And I see the house sales. I see the PMIs. I see the Kansas City Fed numbers. All these economic data and the trade war erupting. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking here, man? You know, you can't have a tight monetary policy. Uh, I saw another thing where uh, appliance shipments uh, in the U.S. are down 18% year over year. Yeah. 18%. And, and like plunging as we speak. Well, what, what do you think the confidence is of, of every uh, consumer out there? When they see what's going on here, and one of the other data points was the New York Fed came out and said the average family would lose uh, $853 of spending power because of the tariffs. Like, that's a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the, the average family income down is, like for a combined family, maybe it's sixty grand or something. I don't even know if that's after tax, by the way. May not be, may only may only be forty or fifty after tax. Well you can hardly take an eight hundred and fifty three dollar hit. You know, that's two percent of your income potentially. Yeah. So it's not uh it's not good. The um the political polarization is preventing anybody on the fiscal side from doing anything. I mean, it's just mayhem down there. I like it's it's very hard to be optimistic, other than to watch the stock market go up every day. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know, and for people listening, wondering why we pay such attention to this, because this is leading to a reversal in this Fed policy, where people think that the Fed has got it under control, you know, and they're going to tighten and normalize and all this kind. Of, none of that is happening. And with economic weakness and a recession coming, they're going to have to reverse. They're going to be cutting. They're going to be starting QE again. And we're right back to where we were in 2010. And I think people in precious metals remember what that was like. 
And so that's why yeah. all of this matters. You, you mentioned even the political discord is similar to what we had back in 2010. Eric, what a big difference now versus then, though, is central bank demand. Uh, we had yep. 651 metric tons of central bank demand for gold last year. They're on a pace to exceed that this year. One thing I've always wanted to ask you, we keep seeing every month the Russians adding physical gold to their reserves. They've added over 900 metric tons in the last four years. They're now up to the fifth largest central bank holdings at nearly 2,200 metric tons. What, what, just to, you know, if you were to speculate, what is their intention? What, are they just simply diversifying, or, or do you think they have other ideas in mind? No, I think uh, they don't have to think like uh, Western economists, okay? Because they're not Western economists. Yeah. And one of the things I always start with whenever I think of where the world's going, I, I always say, well, the U.S. is effectively bankrupt today, okay? That, that's so easy for me to say, and I, I don't regret saying it because all the data confirms it. We just haven't declared it yet, and I've used the analogies. Like we knew 10 years before Detroit declared bankruptcy, they would declare bankruptcy, and finally 10 years later they did because you can't fight uh, the growth in these obligations that keep rising faster than your ability to pay them. So we all know what's going to happen. It's not just the U.S. either. It's the U.K., it's Canada, it's everybody. But... If, and by the way, I was looking at something about the amount of uh, government debt to GDP, and uh, Russia was the lowest at 11%. Hmm. And the U.S. is at, what, uh, 88 or 98 or something like that. I mean, they don't have nearly the issues we have. And I think they, they, they realize these Western economies, they're all going to fail. And their currencies are going to fail. Why would I want to own those currencies when I, I can see what's going to happen? And for me to, to build a gold reserve, i got to do it over a long period of time. Otherwise, I'm going to upset the market. Uh, so I think that's what they're thinking is. Uh, I think the more interesting future event might be, well, what's China going to do here? And as you and I know, they, I think for the first three months, they bought 10 tons. And in the last, last month, they bought 15 tons. Why do I think that the Chinese are going to start buying gold here in bigger quantities, okay? Particularly with what's going on. Yeah. You know, and the fact that they want to shed the treasury bonds anyway. Uh, I think it would make life difficult for the financial markets if all of a sudden gold started shooting up here. Um, and I just think that they know it too. They know the situation. I, not that the Chinese government is in any, in any better position. They're not, Okay. Um, but I think they realize that owning the currency, the paper fiat currencies, is not really where you want to put your money. So yeah. I, I think that's the thinking behind it all, that they have a responsibility to maintain some value, and the best way of maintaining value is by owning precious metals. If if we can see this coming, and they can see this coming, and they are moving their dollar reserves into physical gold, uh, gosh, I sure think everybody listening should kind of think the same way, right? I mean, yeah. we, we all have dollar reserves, you and I and everybody yeah. listening. Yeah, we have to o overcome one thing, and that's the, the impact of the uh, derivatives market, particularly right. COMEX, on gold. Yeah. I mean, a guy can, the guy can manufacture the world's supply of gold in an hour right? You know, through the commodity market. So you can keep it suppressed as long as somehow you can make the delivery. <laughs> yeah. When you fail to make that <laughs> delivery all hell's going to break loose. Yep. And, of course, we're always thinking that day should manifest itself here soon as we see these big increases we talked about in the uh, buying 58% more gold 
in um, in April. Uh, it was a preliminary number, and that was up 58% year over year. I mean, these are big, big numbers in a in a market that is only about 4,000 tons. So, you know, we had, we certainly have uh, the data, non uh, non Western data, that's confirming that everyone who's non Western is a buyer of gold. Yeah. Eric, in our few remaining minutes, uh, I had a lot of folks this week write in and ask you to comment on what happened with Wallbridge this week. I yeah. know that's a, a company you mention quite frequently, and uh, they had a tough yeah, I'll week. Go there. It was a tough week. Uh, okay, so uh, when the news release that came out, I thought, had some weak parts to it, okay? And the weak part was that two holes that they extended kind of had uh, low grade in them. Uh, and they were in the middle of the 400-meter strike length. Uh, but there was also a positive uh, information, quite positive, that the strike length is now 700, up from 400, so it's 75% potentially larger. It's deeper. It, they've got a big hit down at uh, about 650 meters. So one might think that it's 100 to 200 meters deeper, uh, which could add another 50% to it. And the discussion of the holes that have not yet been assayed but have been drilled, and, you know, when you drill a hole, you see the core, and you have some idea of what's there. Now, it's not perfect, you know. You, you can't always tell what the assay is going to bring, but I would say that the language around those um, holes that extend the, uh, the strike of the deposit was very encouraging. Um, so I think it will rebound here. I also heard that there was a big seller in the market. I was aware of a particular seller um, who had actually offered his stock to our group, and I was not in a position to do anything at the time. Uh, but I, I gather he might have gone into the market and just blew out 7 million shares, and something mm. like that can, can hurt a stock in the short term. I was happy to see the recovery yesterday. Hopefully there'll be another recovery today. I think there still could be a very, very large deposit, a very large deposit. A Detour Lake look-alike. Detour Lake ended up being at 23 million ounces. Uh, I'm not saying it'll be 23 million ounces, but it has all the uh, earmarks of looking like a Detour Lake at this point in time. So that would be my comment. All righty. Well, I tell you what, it's going to be interesting to continue to follow that. If we can just get sentiment to change, you know, where uh, it seems like if any news at all is used as an excuse to sell the shares, um, maybe one day they'll all start trending higher again. And in the meantime, if we can get the metals going in the right direction, that'll help too. Well, we need, I mean, look, to think that we've, we've had to fight with this gold price, which is almost inert, uh, for the last few years, I mean, yes, we bottomed at whatever the number was, ten sixty-five or something. We're at twelve sixty-five or twelve eighty today. But uh, having been to thirteen fifty and, and marched back down here, I mean, and then the sentiment was lousy anyway, and the results of the big companies were atrocious. Mm -hmm. Like it just, we're fighting. A, it, it's tough to keep a gold stock up. Like it's tough to have a gold stock when you have to be so outsized great uh, to command any interest. Uh, but I think when things turn around, the, the payoff could be substantive here because if, if people would actually come back into gold stocks instead of a few of us, yeah. you know, having to carry all the water here, yeah. uh, it would uh, it would certainly help. Uh, I probably should make a comment on Kirkland. There's really nothing new. I mean, I'm still quite keen on this new amalgamator break. I'm trying to get a, a real firm grip on, on what it could mean. 
and uh, as a non-geologist, I don't quite have that yet, but uh, I'm very, very encouraged by those drill results that they put out on May 2nd. Another little company called Amex Exploration had a pretty interesting hole. I think it was 500 grams over... 0.7 of a meter or something like that, but a, a stunning hole. And I, I really haven't spent a lot of time looking at it because there's been so much chaos going on around Wallbridge and the, all the other things I'm doing that I'm a little behind on uh, knowing uh, exactly how big that system could get. So I apologize for that. But it was a good result, and stock was firm this week. So, Well, perhaps everything else will be firm as we go forward here. Just, you know, as we, we've discussed, uh, this year looks a lot like 2010 with this economic slowdown and the change in Fed policy. And in 2010, all of the gains came in the final five months of the year. So you know, hopefully people are staying patient and uh, yep. we'll see what happens from here. Eric, thank you for your time this morning. and I hope you have a great weekend. Okay, great. You have, you have a nice long weekend down there. We, we have to work on Monday, but uh, we'll, I'll, we'll try to take care of things on Monday for you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, that would be great. Okay. All right. And everybody, uh, have a nice, uh, fun weekend as well. And we will be back here next Friday with another weekly wrap-up. Until then, uh, again, thank you, Eric. And from all of us at Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com, thank you for listening. <laughs>